Hello, and welcome to the most honest and secure mental health podcast, brought to you in collaboration with the Tally app. Launching in October, Tally's purpose-built platform will facilitate daily anonymous group and peer-to-peer conversations. In the meantime, the Tally Talk podcast will serve as a taster for what's to come. For the latest news and updates on the Tally app launch, follow atally.app on Instagram, or you can visit www.tallyapp.com. Please also be aware that this podcast at times will cover sensitive and triggering topics due to the nature of conversation. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hello Talliers, welcome to season two of the Tally Talks podcast. Each week we talk about a different topic and this week we're talking about sexually transmitted diseases and infections. And just like the episode before, we're joined by two very special guests. But I just want to make clear, this being an anonymous conversation platform, we have gone for pseudonyms or secret identities, if you will. So we've got Santi. Hello, Santi. Hello. How are you? Thanks for having me here. I, I'm I'm just overwhelmed that you've joined us and just by your accent, I feel like this is going to be one of the best things to ever happen to me. Uh, <laughs> just for the listeners, give us a bit of background. Where are you in the world and why have you joined the podcast today? Well, I am in North America here in, uh, in Louisiana and I have joined the podcast. Um, the topic today was um, most interesting to me because I have dealt with it, of course, and I think it's uh, awesome that you guys are spreading awareness about the topic because so many people need to know about this. You know, you have 200,000 cases of year, year of, uh, of, of this and I just think not enough people are aware of things that could come about as a result of not being checked out and, you know, just letting it go. So that's I mean, the reason for my joining today. And I'm, I'm excited to do so. I mean, just those statistics are quite alarming. And over the next five minutes to an hour, hopefully we'll cover loads of different types of things. And we're joined by Bubbles. Hello, Bubbles. Hi, how's it going? It's going really well. Another American. Whereabouts are you in North America? I am in Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta, Georgia. Are you one of the real housewives? <laughs> I am not, unfortunately. Well, you're missing a trick. You're, you're really missing a trick. Basically, the the go out for dinner every day. I mean, I think they, they own a, um, a dog pamper uh, store um, or two, and they, they kind of just leisure. So I think if you want to do that, Jill, I'll, I'll support you. Um, yeah, they're definitely making different paychecks over there. <laughs> <laughs> I want, I, I'll write you a paycheck, but I'll let you. I'll tell you now, it, it, it's going to bounce. Um, and just tell us uh, a little bit about your background and why you've joined us today, if you will. I have my own experiences with STIs, and I feel like it's a very taboo topic to talk about. And since it's not talked about, I feel like that kind of also perpetuates sense of them and so I definitely just want to help in whatever way I can to spread awareness and stop people from spreading and getting STIs. Right thank you so much let's let's get right into it now I'm kind of curious to see if I have a different perspective as a gay male and um, I don't want to be too intrusive but are you two heterosexual women? Yes yes I I am definitely heterosexual women yes. 
definitely heterosexual. <laughs> You'll have your own colour on the pride flag next. Um, yeah, I'm just curious to see what, what our experiences are. So, Santi, if you want to try and be as honest and open as you can, tell us about your experience and obviously we don't judge this is anonymous um and i think it'd be a great help the, the more honest you can be uh sure not a problem um for me it was needless to say quite shocking i don't know why i'm saying quite shocking because i was of course having sex with uh with my, I was in a committed relationship. First of all, I do want to say that I wasn't, you know, having multiple partners, but with, uh, things like STDs, you don't, STDs don't have a face. So you don't know, you think you're in a monogamous relationship and then boom, pal, there goes something. I think, um, I had been in a relationship with this person and, you know, we, we had been friends and of course, obviously I was sleeping with him because he's my boyfriend. Um, but, I'm just going to cut through a lot of it and get straight to get, get straight to it. Um, I, he and I were sexually active, but we had been, we had split up. Okay. We had been apart for probably ab about a year. And, um, and I started to get, I started to, I had a cold that I couldn't get rid of, couldn't get rid of this cold. And so, um, I, ha I happened to go to the doctor and when I went to the doctor the first time they, they had, they couldn't figure out what was, it was a cold, but I had, I, Oh, I know. I'm sorry. I'm leaving out a part. I had a, a surgery coming up, but uh, my, they ran some tests on me and my white blood cell count was low. That's why I couldn't fight the cold off. Um, but I was still prepping. They gave me some antibiotics and I was still prepping, you know, to have the, the minor surgery that I was going to have, but I wound up getting like extremely sick. And, um, if you guys saw the, the video that I spoke of and it, it, I got, I wound up getting really sick and I had to go to the emergency room and, uh, the symptoms that I, that I had, uh, I had no idea that it was chlamydia because I had, um, I had gotten neuropathy. My ankles were extremely swollen and I could not walk. You know, my eyes were bloodshot and I was, I still had this cold that wouldn't go away. So it was, uh, went to the emergency room. And when I went to the emergency room, the late, the doctor, you know, she looked at me after I explained to her what my symptoms were. I was really upset because I was in pain. So I was crying. Um, and, uh, they, they triaged me right away, got me to the back and she had me, she talked to me a little bit, had me, you know, give a urine sample. And the first question she asked me based upon just looking at me, she asked me when was the last time I had had sex? And I, I found her question to be really odd because I'm thinking I didn't, I had no idea what was wrong. And I told her it had, hadn't had sex in over a year. And, uh, she did the, she gave me the, uh, gave me the cup. I went and urinated and then we went to the back and she straight up told me that, you know, um, I don't think she, I don't know if she, I don't, you know what? She didn't tell me right then that I had, that I had chlamydia. I found that out from a phone call from my primary care physician, the follow-up call from the visit that I had. So, uh, so that was my, that was my entree into this. If I should, if I should say, I don't know, uh, that's just the, the straight story of how, how it happened. But again, I was in, I had been in a committed relationship with, with someone and, uh, he wasn't as monogamous as I, if as I was, I guess. Long well, story short. I mean, well, okay. So you've obviously realized that your ex-partner wasn't monogamous. How the hell did that make you feel? Did that just... Did it, did it create any velocity to, towards him? Um, well, let me, let me say this. So, no, it did not because he, this person was my friend before he, before he and I had gotten into this relationship that we, that we were in. So I knew 
how kind of wild he was. I guess I can say that. But when you're when you're in a relationship with somebody, you don't think that that this is what they're doing because, you know, you're all googly and, you know, having fun and thinking you're in love and thinking that they're that's it. Right. But ten, I, I guess he just he wasn't fulfilled and it didn't have anything to do with me. It had more to do with him than anything. And we didn't have an extreme falling out, though, because. I, I mean, I had, I'd made the decision to do these things with him. Um, it, at the time though, let me say this at the time that I had gotten diagnosed, we were broken up. So I hadn't slept with him in a while, but I well, knew exactly a, where it had come from because I hadn't been sleeping time. with anybody in between my time with him and this diagnosis that I had received. So, so did, did you have symptoms for a long time? Because that's quite a long time between, you know, ending the relationship and then being diagnosed. I did not have any symptoms. And that's the scary part about this. You know, for, for most people, I had no symptoms at all. So that's why I didn't, you know, there was no the things that you think are associated with having an STD. You would think, oh, you know, there's, there's discharge, there's, you know, smells and none of that. I had none of that. I had no bumps. I had no, it, nothing, you know? And so I had no clue. And, um, had no way of knowing what was wrong until I went to the doctor, you know, and, and, it, and you're right. It was a long time, but I, but as I mentioned, when I was telling you about it, I had that cold that would not go away. And, but it, that was a result of the white blood cells. You know, your body is trying to fight off infection. And I guess they were just tired because my, my white blood cell count was extremely low is what I was told. And I couldn't, I couldn't get rid of a basic cold. And I mean, call me naive or completely ignorant, but I'm just going to act as a, a casual listener. Um, can chlamydia, uh, a better way to put it is, what's the most serious it can be? If you, if you, if you don't treat it, if you're not diagnosed, can it lead to a limited life? Oh, it, it, it won't take your life, but it will make you sterile and it'll, it'll mess up your quality of life. Wow. And, and I, and I, and I will tell you as a result. So this happened to me, I think it was in 2011 that it happened to me. And I, I mentioned in my little story there telling you that, um, you know, I couldn't get rid of the cold and I had neuropathy. I also had, I had it in my eye as well. Um, and I did not know that because, uh, my, my, eye was bloodshot. That was one of the symptoms of when I had the neuropathy and all the other stuff wrong with me, but I also had chlamydia in my eye because obviously I'm a contact lens wearer and I put it in my eye cause I didn't know that I had it. Um, thinking you're washing your hands thoroughly and clearly I did not. So I put it in my eye, but I just recently went to the ophthalmologist just two weeks ago for a routine eye exam and the pressure in my eye is off again. It's, it's, it's high. And this is one thing that happened when I had the chlamydia to begin with, I had extremely high pressure in my eye and they put me on these eye drops. And again, this was 2011. We are now in 2021 and I am, I am on eye drops again because of the situation that occurred with me with this STD back in 2011. So Santia, I'm, I'm quite taken aback. Thank you so much for that and, and, be, and being as open as you have been. I, I mean, again, it, it might be the ignorance or the lack of education, especially in this country or maybe just the region I'm from, which is in Manchester in the Northwest. I didn't know the seriousness of the effects or how long they could last. I didn't know even if you've got it been treated, it, it could still leave side effects. I, I mean, I, I'm just absolutely amazed. We, we are going to expand, if you will, over the course of the next 45 minutes to an hour, but I, I am going to come to Bubbles now. Hello, Bubbles. 
Hey. Now, I, I'm safe in assuming you both had similar experiences in that you've contracted STIs or STDs. Bubbles, did you want to open up about your experiences and then we'll try and compare and contrast, if that's okay? Yeah, of course. Um, it's actually interesting because I also had contracted um, chlamydia back in 2019. That was the STI that I had gotten. But I had gotten that STI pretty much from being a little bit irresponsible. I was in college at the time and it was our spring break. And during that spring break, I was hanging out with this guy and we had participated in sexual activity. We actually hadn't been dating, but I had asked him prior to us engaging if he had gotten tested before. And obviously that's not enough to see if somebody has gotten tested, but I was very naive at the time. I think I was just like 19 and I was kind of just going off of his word and he had told me that he had gotten tested. And so over the course of like a few months, we had started to talk more and we kept engaging in sexual activity. And what actually ended up taking me to the student health center at the time was the fact that I had a yeast infection and I'm not sure how that happened. However, when I got to the doctor, they took a test and told me that I probably just had a yeast infection. And so I ended up going right back home to Illinois after that because the semester was over. And I got a call maybe like five days after being at home um, from the doctor, basically saying that I had a yeast infection, but I also had chlamydia. And I was really taken back because I just didn't ever think that I could get something like that. And also when I had obviously asked the guy that I was participating in sex with, um, he said that he had gotten tested and come to find out when I had actually confronted him, he told me that would have told me that it was only for HIV that he had gotten tested for. So pretty much he was um, withholding information from me just so that he could have sex with me. And that was also a relationship where I had been sexually assaulted. So it was a lot going on in that relationship. Oh my with that particular God. person. But so, yeah, it, I ended up getting it was the same sorry. person. So sorry on it. Sorry. It, it was the same person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh God. Yeah. And so pretty much um I started treatment for chlamydia because I probably had only had it for about a few months, but I was still really nervous about the potential side effects and what could happen because like you know when you Google like any illness it comes up with like, you know, the most dire consequences. And so for the longest time, I thought that I was probably never going to be able to have kids because oh. I didn't know how long exactly I had had chlamydia. And the first two times that I had tried to get treated for chlamydia, my medication wasn't working. And you have to wait a month after taking the medication to go back to the doctor to see if it's out of your system. So two months had passed with nothing pretty much working out. And then they gave me this other medication that I had to end up taking for seven days because the first two medications were just like a once one time medication. And the medication that I had taken was just so hard on my digestive system. I was having stomach aches. I was feeling terrible. And I actually did end up um, curing the chlamydia. However, I had an allergic reaction to the medicine not too long after where I had like hives and things of that nature. And it was also just a very expensive um, process, obviously getting treated for it and it not working several times when I was trying to get it fixed. So yeah, I no longer have it, but that definitely changed my outlook and perception on sexual health and i have never kind of been the same since then i i don't think i'm being hyperbolic here when i say that sounds traumatic 
not yeah. that relationship and contracting chlamydia, but the treatment and the expense that inflicted mm-hmm. on you as well. I mean, obviously in the UK, we have the NHS. If you break a leg or need a new heart, then obviously it's not nice process, but you're covered. In the States, I can't even imagine. My brother lives over there now, obviously from Manchester with triplets, same age, everything. Um, oh, wow. And he said... <laughs> If, when he feels ill, sick, and he has a little baby boy as well, he does everything he can to ignore it and kind of fight through it with, with just sheer will because he, mm-hmm. he knows just a trip to uh, the doctors or the, the hospital is going to cost him $800 or $1,000 or oh, wow. $1,500. There, there was a point where he passed out on a running track because he's a runner, he's a health nut, mm-hmm. which is kind oh, of wow. ironic because he's scared of getting ill. But he passed out <laughs> on, on the running track um, and everyone run run around him you need to get to hospital we don't know what it is and he said no 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 just give me a a glass of water a bottle of water um and uh, my girlfriend or my partner would come and uh, pick me up and take me home because he knew just getting in an ambulance to go to Mm -hmm. the the doctors was a a, a huge amount of stress itself so i i I honestly can't imagine what it's like for you girls um just to add that extra stress on top of an already stressful um, situation. Um, But but I'm I'm going to throw this to either of you now. Chip in, don't be polite, chip in uh, whenever you want. What does it do to you mentally? Obviously, there's a stigma around STIs and STDs. Do you open up to your family looking for a bit of um, peer support? Do you tell your friends or do you just keep it all bottled up inside? Um, Well... Uh, you can go first, Bubbles. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, I actually did not tell my mom initially just because, I don't know, I knew that she was going to be really upset. And I feel like for most of my childhood, I had always wanted to, like, you know, impress my mom and do good things so that she would be very proud of me. And I just knew that, you know, on top of me already, on top of me having sex, which I wasn't very open about with her. I had also contracted an STI and I just knew that she wouldn't be very happy about it. So I feel like that also took a mental toll on me because I didn't really have an adult figure to go to. However, I did end up telling my friends about it. And what was crazy about that experience is that I realized that I had a few other friends that also had chlamydia, but just not told anybody or herpes and just had not told anybody. And so it was kind of, comforting but just really interesting that so many other people around me had had these experiences but just not talked about them and they they just bottled them up and i guess that's the same for tens of thousands of people where people just had that kind of you know took that first step to say this is how i'm feeling this is what's happened other people are kind of you know exhale and feel really relieved um santi what was you going to say love well, I was I was going to say that for me, I was not embarrassed about it. I mean, I was more mad than anything. Of course, you know, I'm a, I'm a bit older, uh, but the stigma still remains for anybody because people don't like being associated with, you know, getting such a such a thing. And just like Bubble said, people have people have it and they don't want to talk about it. So I often find that when things happen to me, because I am as open as I am, there is a release in the admission, you know, for me to talk mm-hmm. about things. And I was so very shocked. I, when, when, when my doctor called me and told me that she had gotten the results and I had chlamydia, I just flat out told her, no, I did not. Because I, I was (laughs) like me, not me getting a, getting chlamydia, you know, but, uh, but I, I did tell people, I mean, I didn't tell a ton of people, but I told people who was, you know, near me and who I talked to often just because 
I was so shocked that I had it, you know, but I do understand the stigma and people not wanting to talk about it because that's, it's also private health information, you know, sort of thing. And, but, uh, uh, but people need to know. You've got the other um, kind of elements of it as well. Um, i.e. Uh, I mean, just to bring bubble into it, the, the, the sexual assault and the, the, the sexual abuse. And there's all those kind of elements that kind of make it even harder to talk about. And do you know what mm-hmm. I, I kind of never understand as well? They, they never call it anything nice, do they? Chlamydia sounds like a really horrible word. <laughs> which which, which, which really doesn't does. help. I mean, just saying it out loud makes me gag. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's weird. It's a weird... Uh, but it's but I, I I feel like I feel like people, especially like the whole quality of life thing, that people do need to talk about it because of the whole the, the thing about being sterile, because a lot of people don't know they mm-hmm. they hear about, you know, chlamydia can make you sterile, but they don't understand the process of how of how that actually happens. And I didn't understand mm-hmm. how it happened either. So I had to ask my doctor and he told me how it makes you sterile because you just hear, oh, it can make you and, and, and how long have you had it? Um, it, depending on how long you've had it, it's going to make you sterile. But no, that's it's, it's what happens inside the body that causes you to be sterile with your fallopian tubes. It's it's scar tissue that builds up as mm-hmm. a result of you know as a result of it. So then the you know it's it's all that's crazy. But yeah, the name and it's it's all just awful. I'd just like to interrupt the show and give our two amazing partner podcasts a quick shout out. Firstly, My Mental Mates is the podcast opening up the conversation on mental health by having guests share their experiences and discussing the good, the bad and the ugly of mental health. At the end of each episode, each guest gets to choose songs to add to the My Mental Mates Hit the Reset Button music playlist available on Spotify and Apple Music. Podcast host Anthony started the podcast in line with running the London Marathon this year for Charity Mind. Good boy. So head to your podcast provider and check it out now. Secondly, now in its second season, the Men Talk Health podcast features discussions surrounding things such as men's mental health and what it's like to live with a mental disorder. The conversations are candid and authentic, tackling taboo topics which aren't talked about in the public sphere. Men's Talk's main aim is to encourage men to discuss mental health with their friends, breaking down the stigma that it's weak or not masculine to be vulnerable and open around your mates. To listen to the latest episode, search Men Talk Health podcast into all platforms or you can follow mentor health host at underscore loop brand on instagram and use the link in his bio to access the latest episodes if you want a new mental health podcast to add to your collection welcome to mentor health thank you and back to the show i'm going to ask a question and it might be a crazy question you can tell me to to piss off and i can square this way oh yeah oh, oh, we wouldn't tell you that um right so um well, i don't know how to approach it because i want to be delicate so bubbles you, you, you were sexually assaulted yes um and this is the same person who gave you the std um correct from a, a legal point of view was there any action you took a from the sexual assault. B, it, it sounds like he had prior knowledge that he may have a sexual disease or an infection. And so I want to know is, is that not illegal to then go ahead and have sex with someone un- unprotected, um, knowing you may give him something? Have I just made that up or it is. Um, I, I, 
Um, I did not actually press forward with any kind of action. I think a part of that and like like part of what influenced that was because I had a really close connection with that person and I really just didn't want the trauma that came along with reporting and doing things of that nature. But I think that like HIV or AIDS is like the one where you can get um what's it called jailed or something of that nature for not saying something I wasn't sure or I'm not aware right now currently if the other STIs that you can get um that's the same like rule or thing I, I have quite an interesting in route now I've recently broke up from my boyfriend now I'm not going to go on a monologue about that I'm fine thanks for asking um <laughs> I've thought those are lozenges <laughs> as a substitute now um he is HIV positive and he has been for the last two plus years. Now, he takes medication daily and it's untraceable. Now, the point I'm getting to is his previous partner, um, he has reason to believe that he purposefully mm. gave him HIV. Now, he was a very promiscuous person. And mm-hmm. the thing is, this is where I'm not sure if it's a grey area or, you know, um, but there was good cause to think that he had HIV, but he wasn't um, tested for it. So he didn't really have a diagnosis, but he knew the chances were that he probably did have it because he slept around a lot. Um, And obviously the way he was feeling and the reason he didn't get checked out was because it was terrified. And obviously there's a whole stigma around that as well, because you want to pull it in the back of your mind. Now, what I want to say is, that that is illegal purposefully um or actively participating in sex and yet mm-hmm. it was consensual but he, he, he never um made light of his his kind of situation now it, it, is it not illegal because he was never officially diagnosed um or is it still illegal because it was kind of common sense tells you that there is a very good chance um, that he has HIV and they're having unprotected sex and he didn't disclose it with my ex. Now, I should not be involved, but it's something I thought about a lot since we've been together um, because it's obviously affected his mental health and it was obviously his ex's mental health. Um, And then since that was kind of part of my life whether I liked it or not uh, because I obviously have empathy towards my boyfriend um, and this slight worry about whether I can um, be infected with it now my boyfriend did disclose it with me and I thought that was the right thing to do but I mean I'm not sure if I'm asking you if it's legal or not or why the hell people would would do that I'm just amazed and I think it's batshit crazy Um, I'm not sure if you have opinions on it or not but but, but go ahead I'm just yeah, I definitely, um, so when it happened, I was 19, and the person that I was having sex with was also 19, so I think that also just, like, around that age, there's just a lot of, like, irrespons- not being responsible, and I think that he was also a very immature person, not to make excuses for him, but I know that a lot of straight men, especially around that age, and honestly, even older than that, don't really do their due diligence when it comes to getting tested. Um, a lot of people that are people that I've had sex with 
um, after the fact, like I'm always asking, um, have you guys tested? I'm looking for actual like paper results and things of that nature because I just never want to experience that again. But a lot of people just don't really take their sexual health as seriously as other aspects of their health. I think that that also plays a part. And then people also like kind of backwards. Um, but I think a lot of people that I was going to school with at the time also didn't get tested because if they had something, they just didn't want to know. Yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, I think part of me kind of thinks, oh, he's my boyfriend's ex. I should hate him. But I did feel sorry for him because, uh, I mean, it really just seemed like he didn't feel comfortable to get tested, even bring it up. Like, who does he call? How does he book an appointment? What's the testing process mm-hmm. like? Who does he turn to if he has a positive result? That's going to maybe destroy his current relationship and future relationships. And he probably just thought, if I put it in the back of mind and forget about it, you know, there's a chance I haven't got it. And we'll, we'll just go ahead. I mean, I, I feel okay. Um, but I guess that's a societal thing because we haven't been taught to approach it any other way. This is for either of you. How has it affected your approach to having sex since? Um, it Was there a, a kind of an element of trauma? Were you more apprehensive mm-hmm. or was you just, you know, confident in the fact that, right, I, I'm definitely going to, you know, use a condom. There's no ifs, buts, where's, how's, why's about it. Um, w- was it a while before you felt like you could have sex again? Yeah, um, I, I stopped having sex. Yeah. I, I personally stopped having sex. I, I did because it was so much aggravation. And I mean, I was very angry. I was very angry. And then the fact of all the... I'm going to go back really quickly to what you said about the, the co-pays, man, I, because I had six months of ophthalmology visits and it was a specialist visit. Uh-huh. That was a very expensive copay. The, the co-pays on the medication was expensive. And I thought all of this foolishness from sex, I was just too outdone. I was so outdone and so outraged that, you know, and then the fa- Ugh, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I had, um, I had abstained from sex when I was taking my medication um, because obviously I did not want to give anybody else chlamydia. But then when I went back to college, I did um, continue to have sex. And I feel like a part of that was just because of, on top of being violated with the STI in the way that I was, and then also the sexual assault, a common like response from victims of sexual assault and things of that nature is to become more hypersexual. And so I kind of feel like I fell into that category after the fact. But I will say that I definitely was a lot more hesitant. I was a lot less trustworthy. And it did take a lot of like, just like the fun, I guess, out of sex, knowing all of the consequences and how um, how it was a possibility, no matter who you are or what you do to um, experience certain things when it comes to sex. Can girls have open conversation with guys before you have sex? I guess that's easier if you're in a relationship or dating, but how do straight guys kind of react to this? I, I honestly don't know. Are they, are they, are they immature? Yeah. Are they combative um, about Definitely. it? Um, so you, you've had sex since. Do, do you bring up your experiences and tell them, well, I feel this because this, this and this, and I feel like you should show a bit more empathy or, I mean, are they the type to just lose interest? 
Yeah, I think that a lot of straight guys that I have talked to after the fact, um, whenever you ask them how they gotten tested or what the results are, I've gotten or experienced just like a lot of defensiveness from people because almost like asking somebody, they take it as though you're accusing them of having something, whether they do or they do not. And I think that a lot of straight men, unfortunately, have like a very immature mindset and like outlook when it comes to STIs. We don't need them, girls. We don't need them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They get they get mad, but I'm definitely, I definitely, I'm not having sex with you. And I can tell you guys, I have been celibate for a quite a long time. Um, I, I've 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 seen videos on TikTok. I saw one just the other day where there's a sound, a little sound, and some people. The, the little caption was like, "If girls think." think we care whether they have an STD or not. And then the little thing, the little sound comes in, like we do not care. And it's like a whole group of guys who are like in the, in the military. I was so shocked by that. But I'm like, if you, if you can't produce a piece of paper for me, showing me that you've been tested, we are just not doing it. And I think also at some point you're just, I look at sex so differently. I mean, I was actually looking at it differently then, but I really look at it differently. Now we need to have some kind of serious connection or else I'm just not getting, my peace is not going right. to be disturbed like that, you know, because sex yeah. connects you on such a deep level. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's definitely very true. And then like to add on top of that, it, um, what's it called? A lot of guys are asymptomatic, meaning like they don't show symptoms and a lot of girls do show symptoms. So that's also a really important component of it. Girls are a lot more likely to show symptoms, even though me and Santi definitely didn't have that experience. A lot of guys, when they have things like you cannot tell. Yeah. Ask yourselves if we had 7 million subscribers on YouTube and, you know, 6.5 subscribers on TikTok, would, would any of us three open up? Would we use the platform to tell the world what, what's happened, why it's happened and what we can do to make sure it doesn't happen again. Do you think we'd do that? Um, if you're I mean, open, I, I think. Yeah, definitely. I, um, I have my own personal platform with a few hundred thousand subscribers. And um, I actually did make the decision to open up about my experience on my channel. And while I definitely got a lot more support than I thought that I was going to receive, I definitely got a lot of the negative, you know, comments and the people that were being just super immature about it. People were talking about it on other social media platforms, talking about how they would never do something of that sort. And it was just kind of frustrating because I'm just like, this is also kind of um, people being negative about it is why the problem persists. Yeah. And I, 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 I have a platform as well. My, I don't have, I have a, a couple of thousand, but my, that video of mine that I made the video from, it is probably one of the most viewed and, and watched from beginning to end, you know, and I still get, I mean, weekly I'm getting people in my inbox, you know, emailing me about it, mostly young people. So. I mean, that's why it's great to have you guys on and you've both got platforms. You, you've both been, through through this this horrible thing but you, you've turned it into a positive you've opened up about it and you, you've tried to make sense of it um and i just wish i had a platform my platform's putting 20p in the payphone and open, <laughs> and open someone else <laughs> open someone answers <laughs> um, but, but but it's good because the, the whole part of this podcast is just to, to have a conversation and 
my personality is kind of, you know, it's not irreverent. It's just seeing the the lightness in the dark. And I think you girls Mm -hmm. uh, have that kind of element to you as well. And I I just think you've been fantastic. Um, Thank you. But let's keep going. Thank you so much. Let's cover some more bits before we go. Is there anything you guys you feel like you need to talk about or get off your chest? Or do you have any questions uh, about me being a gay man and living in that world? Um, let's keep it going because I'm loving it. Well, I, I just want to I really just want to say that it's it's the whole one thing you hear is that if you have one STD and you haven't been getting checked, you might have others, right? Because it's typically sometimes they're in threes or fours. You find out you have this and then you find out you have that, you know? And so it's, it's, it's so very important for them to go to the doctor if they have, because for the life of me, I don't, I really don't understand how the young people who have gotten in touch with me, know that they have chlamydia if they haven't gone to the doctor. Like that's the one thing that I can't ever figure out. Cause I certainly, maybe they're there. They had some symptoms. I don't know, but I had no symptoms. I had no idea that I had it, but usually they know that they have it, but they haven't gone to the doctor yet. That's always the main thing. Mm-hmm. Or haven't told their parents. That's, that's, a, that's a big one too. They're afraid to talk to their parents, but I would just think that a lot of you, I mean, I know it's the stigma of, you know, oh, you shouldn't be having sex, you know, anyway, kind of thing. Cause I, I rode on that train for a while, you know, but people are going to have sex, like you said, Josh, and it's best to try to be protected when you do it. Or if you're still deciding to do it, ask to see the paper, show me the results. I want to see that you've been tested. Cause I do every year myself is I have at the beginning of the year. And if I've, if I've had sex then I'm, I'm going again to get tested again, if I've had unprotected sex, that is, I need to have this paper and I need proof here and I want to see your proof and I want to see that you've been to the doctor as well before we do anything. I don't care if we are using a condom. We need proof you know? on a piece of paper framed and signed by a solicitor. Um, <laughs> yes. I'm one of the Avengers. And I, I've just started to think maybe we're getting it all wrong. We always say we need to tell the kids we, we, we need the education to be more detailed. But it does start at home with the parents. We need to educate the parents. Now, it's it's all always uncomfortable to talk about sex drugs alcohol uh, any of the big stuff but you you would rather speak to your 13 14 year old son or daughter um at home in your living room before you have your lamb chops at night and really tell them hit home what it's all about and what can happen because the thing is they're gonna go and have it anyway and just stepping into that minefield with no advice, no way to coordinate it, no way, uh, no knowing of how to deal with it or how to react to it or what happens next. And now it starts with that very uncomfortable uh, conversation with your parents, which is crap, I know, but you you, you will have an arsenal then. You'll have a a bit more, you know, weaponry to kind of deal with the world. Um, because and, and the thing, great things about parents, they're, they're bloody blunt. They are blunt. They're not going to be like a teacher who sugarcoats saying, here's a PowerPoint presentation. Sound effects, mm-hmm. please. We need, we need more sound effects. 
Um, and now here's a man with a hand puppet. No, they, they tell you, life is brutal. Uh, having sex, it's fun. It makes you feel amazing. Orgasms are great, but they can be dangerous. And it's all about knowing who you're doing it with. Do you trust them? Are you asking the right questions? So I think we need to educate the parents. How we do that, I don't know. I think you girls are in a, a more influential situation than me. I feel like you can go on marches in Washington, in San Francisco. I feel like you can write a book. You girls, you're absolutely brilliant. Um, but to be honest, I don't know where to, I don't, I don't know where to start with that. Um, I guess it's just social media. If you if you want to chip in a couple of dollars for pamphlets, I can print them out and hand them out in the street. If you think that help, um, but, but, but but yeah, that's my point. Um, parents, um, do you think you two speak after this? I feel like you two should either have your own podcast or a sitcom. Do you like Cagney and Lacey? <laughs> Oh, yeah. I, well, I, <laughs> I, I think it'd be great. And I'll be the gay best friend who comes in. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Every other episode. <laughs> we don't need men, do we, loves? We don't need them. Oof. We it's don't too, need them. It's, it's too hot here in the south. Oof. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sit on the porch with some mint julep or some tea. <laughs> <laughs> I need some lemonade to cool it down. Um, <laughs> But 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 yeah, girls. I, I mean, we'll we'll wrap it up very shortly. But I, I can't thank you enough. And this podcast is going to come out hopefully in the in the next few weeks, and we'll do a, a bit of promo for it. And I mean, we're we're brand new at Tally, and. I think it's a great idea. I joined um, a couple of months ago and each week we talk about different topics and it's just so fruitful. And the stuff I've learned from a personal perspective and just to meet people like you, I mean, I, 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 I'm just overwhelmed. Just thank you so, so much. Well, thank you. Thank I you. just love you yeah. as a host. <laughs> Yeah, I've enjoyed this as well. It's I love to talk, and anytime we can talk and make a difference, you know, I'm all for that. Whether it's DIYs or STDs, I'm, I'm here to talk about. It. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I looked at my body then. I, I felt my breast and thought, I haven't got any DIYs ever. <laughs> <laughs> do it yourself, kind of stuff. That's huge. I mean, I try to do that every now and again, you know. So. Well, I mean, you, you just prove, I mean, you're very strong women, independent, and whether it's STIs, STDs, or DIYs, you can do it all. Um, yeah. you, you, you set out to uh, to achieve greatness. Now, before I let you go, I'm just going to read out a couple of directorates, you know, to send people to if they need, you know, some advice or information. So we, we do have the Brooks Centre. It's for under 25s exclusively. Um, I'm not sure whether that's good or bad, but you can go to it, www.brook.org.uk. I mean, you can still get on the website if you're 45. Just Google it. You'll be absolutely fine. Um, we have the National Sexual Health Helpline. That's for young people's sexual health. Uh, that's a phone number. That's 0300 123 7123. 7123. And you can go to any local contraception clinic or pharmacy or your GP, your, your general practitioners. Always a good one. Um, you can talk about anything. I talked to Dr. Khan and he's literally treated me, my mother, 
and my nan. So it's quite scary. Some days he gets us mixed up and he diagnoses me with what my, my nan had, uh, which is quite uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> but GPs are brilliant. Um, girls, I, 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 think, I think we can go. I mean, just stay tuned to, to the, the, the Tally podcast and the app, which is launching later on in the year and help us as best you can. And we've, we've got to invite you back. I think we've got to invite you back. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. I would gladly come back as well. Thank you yeah. so much. Right. So we started with a check-in just to see how we all felt at the, the start of the episode. Now at the end, do we feel any different? Do we feel better? Santi, give us one word about how you're feeling. Well, I feel great. I feel so invigorated having done this and I know it's going to have a positive impact on people. So I feel awesome. Thank and, you. And Bubbles. No, thank you. Bubbles, my love. <laughs> That's a great word for it. Also, I'm just empowered. I feel like this conversation was definitely helpful for my continued healing process, for sure. Um, I feel like one of the Charlie's Angels um, because <laughs> no, that's not a word. I'm being silly. No, but I really do. I really do. <laughs> Santi, if your phone calls, it's me, love. We're on a mission. Um, All right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Ridiculous. Party, party, party. My one word is energized. I feel so and so happy that we've got a platform to talk about these type of things and I can't wait for people to listen to it and learn from it and give us feedback right thank you ladies thank you so much thank you thank you thank you for listening to the Teletalk podcast remember to subscribe to our channel and be the first to access our weekly episodes for the latest news and updates on the Tally app launch, follow a Tally.app on Instagram or you can visit www.tallyapp.com. Thank you and see you next time.